thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for episode number 21 of Head Start. This is a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. So uh, we, uh, on the front end, we always talk about a get to know you, and this is something that's near and dear to my heart and have grown up with and as a child and even today as uh, as. Could I be considered a grown-up? I don't know. Maybe sometimes I... Talking about your age? Or B- borderline. Your well... Uh, older adult older. is probably... Hey, what... <laughs> hey, wow. Wow, just because I have a lot of gray hair doesn't... Well, whatever. Okay, so here's the question. What? Do, how often How often does your family have breakfast for supper? Notice I didn't say, did you? Because I am certain that all of us do. Mm. But how often do, does your family have breakfast for supper? And I do have a follow-up question to that. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you count, which kind of goes into the second question. Yes, it does. If you count cereal as breakfast, then we have supper, or we have breakfast for supper fairly often. <laughs> no, I, that's not what that means. No, that is not what that means. That's cereal for dinner. That's a separate category. That is a totally yeah, yeah. separate yeah. category. It's a breakfast cereal at dinner time. And, we can, so and then we know. That happens fairly often in the Valeria Oh, household. my goodness. Then we could talk about types of cereals. Sure. and Yeah. yeah. Another good question for that'll, another day. That'll be another day. We'll come back to it. So now, now let's to the heart of the question. We know the heart. Here. Home in on the heart of the question. Yes, we're home or hone. I'm not really sure. but <laughs> So where are we going to land? How often? Real food, not sugar. This is a this is a weekly occurrence, at least, for the Alderman family. Wow, yeah. weekly? Yeah, weekly. Okay. Um, we typically, like a Thursday night thing, um, yes. we'll, we'll do breakfast for dinner. So, yeah, like it, it. it's, it's regular. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Yeah, we're probably once a month. Uh, at least once a month, not not weekly, but yeah, at least once a month. So cereal is out. No, that doesn't count as breakfast. <laughs> oh well, then I don't know. Once every month or two, we'll do something like that. Or something uh, like that. Oh, okay. Yikes. Well, let's define <laughs> what something like that is. That and this is our second well, question. Yeah, we'll, we'll do some some eggs and bacon and maybe. Uh, Either pancakes or biscuits, something like that. Okay, so when we say, this is our second, the second question. When we say full breakfast, what items, what food items are included in a full breakfast? I'll I'll go. Yeah, go ahead. So we're going to have, we're going to have scrambled eggs, or I may, we may um, do some uh, bell pepper and onions and saute those and then pull those aside and then combine those in with the scrambled eggs. So that, that, there's definitely going to be bacon. There's going to be grits, but not just plain grits. There's going to be cheese grits, and there will be biscuits. Yes. It's really specific. Um, ours is a lot more kind of open to whatever the feel is. Okay. Um, yes. So there's always going to be some sort of egg content. Yes. Uh, there's always going to be some sort of meat content, so whether that's bacon or sausage or, you know, uh, other things like that. And then, uh, you know, my family's strong believers in the verse uh, about eating our bread with gladness. And yes. so there's always going to be bread content. And that's where the variety comes in, whether it's cinnamon rolls uh, of a variety of flavors, 
uh, pancakes, waffles, uh, sure. so just plain old toast or English muffins or bagels, those kinds of things, uh, or a coffee cake or mm. really any of those varieties. But those are the staples. We're going to do eggs, sure. meat, bread, and yes. then some fruit to go along. I didn't with hear it. briscuits. Are biscuits in there anywhere? That would be bread. Well, I didn't. You didn't. You were very specific about other things, but um, you didn't mention. Yeah, no. Sometimes we will do. Sometimes okay. we will do. Okay, biscuits. that's good. Let's mm-hmm. hear this, Kyle. This will be interesting. Toasted oat squares. We'll do some, <laughs> we'll do some, some whole grain with some different colored marshmallows. And there it is. Some dairy. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> that does not qualify. Um. Yeah, gosh. Um. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I mean, very similar to y'all. Uh, okay. Biscuits, yes. Scrambled eggs, bacon, fruit. Okay, fruit. Oh, there you yeah. go. Okay, so this is this one's not on there, but this one came to my mind. So I got to ask this: Here we go. When we think biscuit, what are we thinking? Are we talking wop biscuit? Are we talking frozen biscuit? Or are we talking um, what was homemade the first biscuit? One? <laughs> Do y'all not know what a wop biscuit is? Wop, wop. Yes, it's a canned biscuit. Oh, and, and you, you wop, wop it, it on, on the, the counter. counter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, you gotta squeeze that and pop it. <laughs> Oh, water biscuits, frozen biscuits, or homemade biscuits. This is awesome. Uh, <laughs> we prefer <laughs> we prefer the homemade route in the Alderman House. Oh, uh, wow. If Kaylee's cooking, yes. Uh, if Brian is making it, then it's the Wop biscuits. After Wop biscuits, good. <laughs> it's just biscuits from a can in the Alderman House. So no, those are Wop biscuits from uh, this point forward, please. That's why we do cereal. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, we're gonna do it from. Mostly from a can or frozen. Okay. Um, yeah, we're yeah. we're frozen, frozen biscuits. Occasionally, Tanya will go. You know what? I'm going to try again for homemade biscuits, and you know she still hadn't landed that plane. Lots of offered, lots of uh, lots of effort, and but just hadn't really landed that one. I don't know. It's been elusive for us, uh, the homemade biscuit thing. So, okay. Well, yeah. Wow, that was very informative. And <laughs> Kyle's like, I'll never get those minutes back in my life. So, so one of the things that we're trying to keep in front of our life group leaders, as in front of our church, is uh, the uh, just a reminder of a commitment that we made as a church in January to share the gospel three times in 23. So last week I shared about my. Uh, three in 23 experience in the sense of sharing the gospel with our life group that we connect with, uh, sharing the gospel with our family, uh, and then sharing the gospel in the community. And I ask you guys to be praying for me as I am seeking to have, I've had some spiritual conversations looking for and praying for a gospel conversation with an individual in the near future. So Kyle, tell us about your experience since January. Yeah, so back in January when the challenge was given, um, started with uh, our life group and uh, being a life group leader, I led the way in our group and and sharing my testimony uh, and and the gospel uh, within that group. And then over the course of uh, just parenting, um, when we uh, walk through discipline with our kids, uh, we typically bring it back to the gospel and sharing uh, sharing the gospel and why um, uh, they you know do things that are sinful and the need for being rescued through Christ. And so we don't do that every single time they get in trouble, but when uh, oftentimes in discipline we'll we'll walk through the gospel with our kids. So that was something that was fairly consistently happening already, but um, certainly it was part of this 3 and 23. And then uh, 
as far as in the community, um, some connections with um, people in our neighborhood and had a uh, um, young guy that I've uh, kind of walked alongside um, throughout his young life and getting to purposefully um, reach out to him and say, hey, let's go grab a bite to eat and, and just taking that next step in asking questions about his particular relationship with the Lord and sharing the reason why I was uh, asking this and why um, he needed to, to have that relationship with Jesus and, and how to make that happen and and joyfully finding out that um, he had actually surrendered to Christ a few weeks before that uh, through um, efforts that Brian had and some other guys in, in the church uh, through stuff at school. Um, so just a, a community-wide effort in reaching this guy for the Lord, which is um, which was a wonderful thing to be able to celebrate at that point. And so, um, yeah, so those were my initial three in, in 23, and certainly trying to be continue to be purposeful in our home and um, and then building some other relationships to get there. It's good. It's good. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Leaders, I just want to keep that in front of you and remind you, uh, and, and encourage you to reach out to someone in your group this week uh, and line them up to share their gospel story so they could share uh, their, uh, share the gospel through their story in your life group. Um, and so we want to keep that in front of our people and encouraging them and asking them on Sunday mornings about having spiritual conversations, having gospel conversations during the week. So it's important that we keep this in front of our people. All right, so let's talk about uh, the passage of Scripture that's coming up on Sunday. Uh, we'll be looking at Philippians chapter 3, beginning of verse 15, uh, all the way through uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, and so Brian will be walking us through this passage. And so we'll go join you on this journey, Brian. <laughs> Here we go. Um, another great passage to study this week. They're all great, like we say every time. Uh, but it opens in an interesting way. Uh, Paul says, therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And so it's kind of a really awkward verse to begin with, because if you're like I am and you forget what we talk about from Sunday to Sunday, you got to read backward and refresh yourself on, uh, you know, therefore, what, what's that one there for? But then also let those of us who are mature think this way. Well, what way is he talking about? Um, and so we'll hit on both of those real quick. Uh, basically, we just finished up talking about Paul, uh, who is, uh, he doesn't consider himself to have reached where he wants to go, hasn't gotten his goal. So this is the one thing that he does. He forgets what is behind and he reaches forward to what is ahead, pursuing uh, as his goal, the prize that's promised by God's upward call or heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So that's the way he wants the Philippian believers to think. And he encourages uh, those who are mature to think this way, or those who are uh, more complete is kind of how the, the, the text would uh, read. So he's leaning into basically his leadership, right, at, at Philippi, his core people, his key folks, those that are bought in and following along closely with him. But he also, uh, just through the words that he uses, he draws other people into it, right? Because let's say that you're one of the spiritually immature people who's at the Church of Philippi, and you hear Paul uh, in this letter say, hey, those of you that are mature, I want you to think this way. Mm -hmm. Well, when you hear that, you're kind of like, well, I don't want to be left out, right? I don't, surely I'm not immature. Where am I in this? Where am I in yeah, this? Yeah. And so you're going to be drawn to pursue that as well, to, to think in the way that uh, 
that Paul has measured. Uh, again, setting our eyes forward on the goal to go, not the pass behind. Uh, and I just think of, you know, football's a little stuck on my mind. Uh, my team had a, a pretty uh, hilarious meltdown. error uh, meltdown uh, a couple Saturdays ago. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, I just think of the team that, like, what if they uh, just – spent every moment celebrating the progress that they'd made on the way down the field. You know, uh, it's like, well, hey, we had four 75-yard drives, you know. Sure, we didn't score any points, but look at all of the driving that we did, all of the yards that we uh, maintained. It's like, no, man, you got to set your eyes forward on the goal that's ahead of you. The yards that you gain don't make a difference if you don't score points, right? And that's kind of what Paul is uh, talking about. I love this next part that he walks through. He says, uh, hey, if you think differently, don't worry. God's going to get you there. He's going to convince you eventually. Uh, and so what he tells the people to do in Philippi is live up to the truth that you have attained. That is a crazy, crazy thing for Paul to say. But here's what's happening here. Um, Paul is so confident about God's work in the church at Philippi, that he's incredibly patient with their sanctification. He's so confident that God's working and moving in them that he's patient with their sanctification. There's a lot that we can learn here, uh, but leaders, I want to encourage you before the weekend arrives to read Romans 14. Romans chapter 14 uh, is where Paul's going to walk through kind of the differences between strong believers and uh, what he'll call weak believers. He's going to encourage both sides on how to operate when they're together. Uh, weak believers would be those that Paul is going to say kind of have a, 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 a little bit more of a guilty conscience, right? They're worried that in everything they're doing, they're sinning and falling short of the Lord. The strong believers, they can kind of live their life and and not deal with all these wrestling conscience issues. And, uh, and, and so Paul's going to give encouragements to each side. But in verse 5, here's what he says, Romans 14, 5. Let each one be convinced in his own mind right? Essentially, it's the same thing he's saying here. Live up to the truth that God has given you so far on your journey, right? If God's convicted you of these four things, then live up to those four things. If he's not convicted you of those things, then live freely uh, according to what he does call you to do. But along the way, uh, just be confident that God is at work uh, in them. Now, he doesn't leave them there. Uh, he does give them the call to imitate him and uh, the other people that he has held up as examples. Uh, he, he says, basically, hey, imitate me and these people. Don't imitate uh, them and those people in verses 17 through 21. He's going to say, become fellow imitators of me, right? So with the mature believers in Philippi, he wants all the believers to become imitators of him. Uh, he uses this word skapeo to say pay careful attention to uh, the way that the way that I walk or the way that we walk. Uh, the noun form of skapeo is skapos, and it's like the word for goal or mark. Right? Set your sights on these people, the life that these people um, live. You know, he, he's saying. Uh, he wants the Philippians to follow him, recognizing that he's not made it to his goal, uh, also recognizing that he's not there with them. He wants them to look around at the people who imitate him in his absence and do the things that those people do, right? Live the way that they live. Um, so I'll give it to Kyle at this point for a question. Yeah, uh, well, that's uh, really good. And and. This particular part of this passage leads to a very convicting 
um, question in the curriculum. Uh, how confident would you feel telling a new believer to follow your example of Christian living? Why? And um, so I think that should give everyone in the group pause. Um, now, uh, I don't think that we should be afraid of saying, I'd be confident if we are walking with the Lord, and because Paul is doing this very thing, and I think if we're walking according to the revelation that we've been given, and we are walking in the understanding and conviction of the Holy Spirit that we have, that we should, we should as guides, um, be telling people, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So we shouldn't shy away from that. At the same time, this kind of question also should give us pause, though, if we're not living uh, in line with what we know is the truth. Yeah, and I think we just need to be careful to not not to imply that that's in perfection. Correct. Right, because none of us are going to walk with Christ in perfection because we are not. Uh, and, but it does imply that, hey, I'm walking closely. Are there moments, are there times when, I'm, when I sin and I step away from who I know I am in Christ because I make poor decisions? But in that, it, do I return to Christ mm-hmm. quickly? Uh, is there godly sorrow over the poor decisions that I make? Yeah. And do I return to him? So, yeah, yeah. I, I think we just have to guard against that perfection yeah. idea. Absolutely. Well, is, is there any pocket of our life where we go, Man, I I really could not point to that and say that that is something that a person should follow in yeah. terms of example um, in either walking in righteousness or dealing with sin in a proper way. Um, so I think that question is just it it should make us think it should make us pause yeah. and, and really examine our life because if we can if we can't um, be confident to tell a new believer to follow our example then, boy, when it comes to uh, uh, what you need to do next, well, you need to address whatever's going in, uh, on in your life um, so that you can point to your own life as an example. But that follows with the measures as well. Uh, how can you be a guide and point people to follow the right godly examples in life? Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to only be able to point to ourselves as guides uh, who show the way, um, but also our fellow believers around us. So being involved in their lives and knowing what's going on uh, with them, um, we're, we should be in a church um, like we have. We should have plenty of guides around us to right. be able to point to. Yep. And um, so uh, being involved in the community of faith and... Um, being guides ourselves, I would hope um, that we would be purposeful to be um, pointing people uh, not only to ourselves as examples, but also to those around us being able to say, hey, I know this guy, I know this lady, uh, this is one that you can follow. Mm -hmm. This is one Mm -hmm. who can really guide you to be uh, Christ-like as God calls you to be. But it follows right along with that verse that we chose uh, to describe that measure, a guide who shows the way, right? It's 1 Corinthians uh, 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Yeah. And we should all be able to say that. Uh, let me do one thing real quick. I want to go back and just say when we talked about uh, living up to the truth that you've attained or the revelation that you've acquired, uh, it's important for us to remind our folks this does not mean that each believer has their own personal truth and that they should live up to that truth. Rather, what Paul is saying, and, and this is why he gives the safeguard of his life as an example and the lives of other people in Philippi as examples, 
Um, it's like he's saying, hey, I want you to reach that Philippians 2 mindset of Jesus, right, uh, who, you know, didn't count equality with God as something to be held on to or used for his own advantage, so on and so forth. If you're not there yet, live up to what you've got. But follow me and my example as a safeguard, right? So if you're thinking, well, I, here I am, that God hasn't convicted me of this sin or that sin or whatever. It's like, yeah, but we can point to the lives of these guides who are in your life and say, you're not living up to the truth that you have attained because you see it in them. So just want to make sure that that point is, is made in this passage. Um, in verse 18, Paul makes a transition. Uh, he says, basically, I, hey, I've, I've, I've told you before, and now I'm going to say it again. Here's why we need to live according to the right example, because many people live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Uh, this is loaded, uh, and man, we could spend a lot of time talking through what this uh, phrase means. I do want to highlight uh, the way that Paul words this of uh, being an enemy of the cross of Christ, right? Not just being an enemy of Christ himself. Remember that Jesus was not what his people were looking for in a Messiah, right? And in that same way, Jesus was not what anybody in the world was looking for as a king, uh, you know, Paul says, we, we preach Christ crucified. This is a stumbling block for Jewish people and complete and total foolishness for Gentiles, for Greeks. It's like you'd tell somebody, you know, well, you, worship, you worship who? You worship a guy that was crucified, that was hung on a Roman cross, that, that died on a Roman cross? And of course, yes, the resurrection overturns that. But understand that these people are saying, no, there's no way that the king of the universe would allow himself to be crucified. And so in that way, they stand against the, the cross of Christ. Uh, he sets up a grand contrast uh, between the enemies of the cross and the followers of Jesus. Now, hang with me, because some of this is implied and others of, uh, other pieces of this are stated directly. But of these enemies of the cross, he says that their end is destruction. It's not going to go well for them in the last day. He says their God is their stomach. Don't get hung up on the literal term there. It doesn't mean it's all about food, but stomach is kind of the replacement word for desire uh, in, you know, uh, in the analogy there. So they just go where they want to go. They do what they want to do. They feast on what they want to feast, uh, and they live their life. It's all about them, them, them. And their glory is in their shame, right? We see this today, uh, man, people taking pride in all sorts of things that they should be ashamed of. They celebrate and hold up people who uh, do things that, that we should be ashamed of. Now, for followers of Jesus, the implication is that their end is life and deliverance, even though now they're persecuted. Uh, the implication is that their God is the Lord Jesus Christ, even though now he's hidden from our eyes. Uh, the implication is that their glory is in the Lord's return, even though now we are abused and despised by the people that are around us. Uh, explicitly, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, and, and we have this patience that we eagerly, note that attitude there, eagerly await uh, a Savior from there. Uh, if he went back to the enemies of the cross, he would say the implication is their citizenship is right here on this earth. They're just enjoying life as it comes to them uh, in the kingdom of Rome. Uh, and that they lack uh, patience, right? Instead of waiting for the Savior who's coming, they just eat up life as it comes to them. So he makes that contrast uh, and then he uh, he kind of 
gets fixated on the the hope that we have as believers and explains it a little bit in uh, verse 21. He says, uh, Jesus will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body. So it's that great reversal that we talk about, that even though now we're, uh, you know, persecuted and dejected and uh, we walk around in jars of clay that are easily broken and fragile, one day we will be given a body that's indestructible uh, as the Lord himself has. Uh, And he does this by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. He's probably referring, uh, at least marginally, to Psalm 110, verse 1 here. So look up that psalm. That's uh, where, uh, you know, we get that reference, the Lord said to my Lord. Uh, so Yahweh said to uh, the, the Messiah, uh, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies uh, a f- your footstool, right? Until I subject everyone to you. So it's by that great power that God subjects all the kings and all the kingdoms of the world to the Messiah. That's the same power that he's going to use to flip our bodies from jars of clay into uh, resurrected and glorified. And then he opens the new chapter, uh, chapter 4, with this uh, bridge verse. Uh, in verse 1, he says, so then, so again, looking back, looking forward, uh, and then, man, he just lays out the terms of endearment and absolute kindness. Uh, my dearly loved and longed for uh, is how my, my translation puts it, uh, my joy. Uh, again, that theme that I've encouraged you to, you guys are that for me. Uh, he says, my crown. Uh, I love this. It's that image of Paul standing before the Lord one day. And, and just imagine, right, the Lord has a diadem, right, a crown to give him. And Paul's like, that's not what I'm in this for. It, I, I, don't, I don't need that. Move that out of the way. Where are the Philippians? That's what I want to see. I want to see those people from Philippi who, who made it. They're my crown. They're my joy. And then again, he says, my, my dear friends are my dearly loved at the end. And then there's this phrase, this command, and this is what we leave you with today. He says, stand firm in the Lord. Stakete uh, and kurio is how it reads in the Greek, right? You can hear it kind of like staccato and it's pushy, uh, but there's that encouragement, man. He is your strength. Stand firm in him. Uh, if you imagine a, a roller coaster seat, uh, when it locks down from the top of you and over you, uh, that security is the kind of security that Paul wants believers to stand in. And he's got you. So rest in that security but also take your stand in that security. Be ready to defend against uh, the lies of the enemy, against uh, the, the methods and the tactics of those enemies of the cross of Christ. Take your stand in the Lord. And that's the encouragement that Paul gives. It's good. Very powerful passage of Scripture that as leaders we get the opportunity to guide our people through uh, to not just uh, here's lots of information, but let's talk about this. Let's let's wrestle with this truth. Let's allow this truth to permeate who we are. And, and then in return, that this truth would impact how we behave, who we are at home on on Tuesday evening, who we are at work on Thursday morning, who we are at the ball game on Friday night. Uh, and so leaders uh, encourage you uh, to um, be certain to include the Live It Out as you wrap up your time together with your group this week's Live It Out, one of which is familiar because we're, we're hitting the same one. <coughs> um, for several weeks in a row, but the first one is different. It's identify two or three other people who may look to you as a guide. So think about others who may look to you as a guide and begin praying specifically 
that you would be a Christ-like example. Uh, so pray and, and identify those that you may be a guide to in praying that you would be that Christ-like example to them that you uh, are called to be. And then finally, the second, uh, live it out. Take time this month to serve the person that you've been praying for, that you've been praying for, that, that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. Uh, find some way to meet a need and to helpfully come alongside them in a tangible way. So be certain, leaders, to, to present these live it outs, keep it in front of your group as you wrap up the lesson. And then certainly as you begin the following week, uh, reference back to that. And again, we refer to that as a soft accountability, but we've got to keep it in front of our people too. <clears throat> it's not just information that runs through our ears, but it's things that we hold on to and we apply to our lives. Right. So, um, all right, so there's that. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, speaking into this and equipping our leaders as they present the lesson, uh, present the content of this passage. There's one event that's coming up really quick uh, that um, Kyle is going to remind us about, and leaders will be certain to encourage your group to participate in this. Yeah, so this Wednesday, uh, October 18th, we've got our night of worship. So this is taking place in the week that is between block two and block three of our e-groups. So before we get the the third and final block uh, of e-groups going on, this week we're going to uh, take some time as a faith family, gather in the worship center and have a night of worship. So um, song and prayer and um, a, a devotion, and it's just going to be a good time as a faith family. So definitely want to invite everyone to be there. Five o'clock meal, six o'clock um, uh, time of worship in uh, the worship center. Be a great time to be together as a faith family. So let's look forward to that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. We will see you on Sunday.